Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hey everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the Iowa Agronomy Update. We got a harvest edition here uh, here in early October, and we're off to a good start here in the harvest, and uh, we uh, we thought we we're going to turn our focus here to a little bit of good news we've had uh, in the soybean marketplace this week, and we brought in uh, some some of our soybean uh, experts and and uh, agronomists here in, in West Central Iowa. Uh, today we're going to be visiting with Craig Lamore and John Swalwell. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, thanks, Brent. So, Craig, uh, Craig, this is your second time on the podcast, I believe. And, and John, you're kind of a regular anymore, it seems like. But, Craig, give us a, a little bit of background on your your role in the in the soybeans, uh, basically the soybean pipeline, and your field advancement role that you have. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, as a tech development rep for Bear Crop Science, one of my um, main roles or partial roles, if you will, of the job of, of doing protocol research and agronomic research is also I'm working with the soybean germplasm team as a field advancement specialist uh, for Iowa, basically for the, mostly for the group twos, but going into the late ones and also into the early threes a little bit. So, um, so I get a little bit more, a few more looks and a little bit more uh, information on the varieties and the germplasm pipeline as it comes from breeding and gets a uh, transition to tech development and and also transition to the commercial brand of Asgro. So hopefully with that knowledge, I have a little bit better feel on a lot of the products. Uh, a lot of days I feel like a jack of all trades and a master of none, but uh, um, I, I know these products fairly well and uh, every year I learn more. So that's, uh, that's basically what what I get to do with the soybeans. It's an interesting role. You've mentioned a, a lot of collaboration there. So you get to work with breeding, market development, and helping launch them into commercial. That's an, that's an interesting kind of middleman kind of role there. But you get to see it come up through the pipeline, but then also get to help launch it into the commercial, uh, into the commercial roles. Yeah, that, that's correct. And, and uh, getting to see these products, out in the field and in small plot replicated trials uh, before they get handed off is is a definite uh, advantage for me uh, just to help know the pipeline. And again, and again, I never feel like I do them enough justice because there's so much to look at every year uh, as we whittle down this pipeline of genetics down into a tiny little funnel uh, to feed the, to feed the Asgro brand. So, but yeah, it, it's a, call it the middleman and, and again working with breeding on the front side and getting the exciting products handed off to us and then after breeding and and ourselves and market development get to test these products again then we hand them off to the brands and advancement meetings and uh so and and create that excitement for the territory agronomists and all the sales teams as agronomists we sure appreciate uh, and i don't know how long we've had that role um it's got to be four or five years maybe but um we uh, we get a chance to hear the breeders a couple times a year, but we get to interact with Craig on a lot more regular basis, and that can focus the conversation down to issues 
um, that are more important on our local management. So it's good to have that local contact um, through the year uh, when we come to nuances between these products. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, it, Craig, you've been we've been walking fall plot tours for ever since I can remember. I mean, even as TDRs, we kind of had some you know, pipeline advancement responsibilities back in the day. How many years have you been focused on soybean advancement? Um, it has been, oh, oh, you know, since I've, since I've been a tech development rep, so I want to say it's at least 12 years. Okay. That's, yeah, I I was going to say we've been, we've been on plot tours for, for quite some time. And, and John, I know you've got a ton of experience down in that, that Southwest corner working with the, the, late group twos into mid to late group threes. So that's why we brought you guys on to help, um, help tell a little bit of a story here uh, today and, and kind of get into some more details around this uh, news that we got on, on first thing Monday morning. So uh, it was uh, nice to hear that the European union gave us our uh, approval, uh, import approval for our extend flex uh, soybean trait. John, what what does that mean for for the business for for Asgro? What what does that ultimately mean as a trait and as a as a business there uh, for Asgro? Well, it gives us another tool uh, to control uh, some uh, very difficult to control weeds. We're going to enjoy the same herbicide resistance as our Extend beans with the addition of glyphosate tolerance to give farmers an extra tool uh, to combat. Um, difficult weeds. So we're excited for that. And um, we really feel like um, this is something that uh, we're going to make a really rapid move to in our lineup because of the value of that extra added herbicide resistance. And um, so it's, it means that we will probably, I've heard rumors that this will probably be the largest scale trait launch in the first year. Um, and it also means we're going to be looking at a ton of new varieties. So it's a it's a big challenge for Craig and I to make sure we funnel through all of that information. Um, and exciting to see um, us adopting these new products and, and getting to know them. And that's just starting with uh, harvest. We got a couple plots out. Um, I know I've finally got a couple of our um, Extend Flex germplasm trials out. I know Craig's been harvesting some, so we're starting to see some yield around them. Um, and it's uh, just pretty exciting time. Yeah, so I want to ask Craig a question next. So certainly this announcement is is a blessing, right, to to our customers and farmer farmers around around the nation and around especially the state of Iowa. But it certainly wasn't the timing that we had hoped for or anticipated. But you know, I guess the one one way to look at this is though that you know it. This could have happened year a year ago or or so, and but that extra year, Craig, that that gives us another look at another class of of products, and that we get to advance a, a whole another new round of of classes through. How many how many classes is this? I mean, is this the second or third that you've seen come come through uh, the pipeline and actually walked uh, the this class of products? So as far as advanced products. You know, we actually did advance some products last year as we had North American approval and approval from several other countries. And we advanced those products based on the merits of the varieties, of course, and the yield potential and the characteristics they had. So so this class we're talking about today, we have we already have two years worth of releases. 
that are officially in, in the Astro bag. And the, the XFO class was uh, last year's releases. And the XF1 classes was uh, the releases for this year. So um, the ExtendFlex platform has been worked on for several years. It takes it takes a minimum of six years to develop a variety. So the technology has been been in our hands for for quite some time. And and uh, and again, with our breeding engine that we have, research and development, we can we can really build a pile of germplasm. And funnel them down and, and, and get down the, to the most elite varieties with the best characteristics out there. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned working with this germplasm, Craig, and so that's kind of where I wanted to go to next. You know, and and really, we're kind of building off of you know some of the leading germplasm that we have in the Extend system already. You know what? I don't know what what's going to be new about this trait and placement, or you know, are we going to Go back to the basics here. What what makes this? You know, what's going to make placing these ExtendFlex uh, varieties successful uh, in 2021? John, let's start. Let's go back to you. Well, I mean, it is all uh, new technology to us, but I think the placement stuff is kind of like you said, back to the basics. Um, in Iowa, since I've been here, it seems like we spend a lot of time making sure that we understand a varieties. Um, ability to handle white mold, its ability to handle SDS, uh, whether it can go into soils with iron chlorosis, and, and what kind of standability do we have. And when I think about what we talk with our dealers on um, how to place varieties on fields, those topics come up um, all the time. And once we, once we fit those major agronomic needs of a field, then we start trying to build yield in soybean growth by, by doing the right cultural practices with it. Um, but so I don't think this extend flex trait is going to be different than that same philosophy. We're going to focus on the things that we know we have to fit right agronomically for the fields. And then we're going to identify the ones with uh, good yield potential and we're going to give them the cultural practices they need to be successful. That's what we're going to shoot for. Craig, any thoughts there on on this trait and, and placements, or how do we, you know, what what are those key factors that you're looking at when when you think about placement? I guess. Yeah. So so one of the one of the interesting things is, uh, you know, past experience and and uh, having been with the company for several years is I've I've seen several trait launches, and right now, this ExtendFlex trait platform it's it's three herbicide tolerance traits and stacked together. And I've never felt better about a trait platform launch than this one, as far as the germplasm that's there, the yield potential that's there, the characteristics that we have. And again, we're, we still have unanswered characteristics too, where we, we don't have all the details on all these varieties just because of mother nature, not providing us those opportunities to record those characteristic scores. But, but, uh, the research and development team that we have within Bear Crop Science, our engine's very strong, and the germplasm is very strong, and the technology to get these traits all together in one package with performance and agronomics that farmers need, uh, it's never been better. So, so again, one of the most exciting launches for me, um, having been here with the company several years, so very, very exciting. Craig, what, what makes that so different this time around do you think is it is it just diversity early on in the trait that that helps 
uh, with that, with the, the new products as far as diversity goes? Is that, is that what helps that feel, make you feel that much better about this trait launch? I, I think one of the things, Brent, is, is the fact, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm no scientist or chemist by any stretch of the imagination, but just with the technology tools that we have, in-house, in our greenhouses, in our biotechnology labs, the things that we can do with putting traits together and getting them into soybean varieties has never been better than it is now. And anytime you put products together with different genes and different characteristics, no matter what they are, whether they are biotechnology traits or native traits to plants, you're always moving the genes around on the chromosome strand and you're, and you're changing the profile of the varieties. And with all the technology that we have, we can actually study these genes and make sure that they're in the right places on those chromosome strands and, and make sure that these varieties perform out of the box. We're also getting rid of the stuff that we don't want to test earlier on in the platform and therefore focusing more of our efforts on the best straight conversions along with the best germplasm. That, that's the key. That's the biggest thing I think that we've done here in the past 10 years is whittled the pool down a lot earlier and testing a lot more better versions right out of the box. Yeah. I would say from an agronomist perspective, I think you could uh, say we've made those advancements in corn and beans. And the way I measure it or the way I see it um, is the fact that when we get new products, the percentage of those new products that turn into volume leaders for us, meaning that a lot of people buy them, is a lot higher percentage um, than what I recall when I first started working for the company. It just seems like we've got a better uh, uh, success rate at turning a new product into a high-volume product um, with some, some good on-farm success with it. So that's fun to see, and that just means that they're making the changes. And the changes, I think Craig hit on it, um, I think that really makes a difference are is what varieties are we testing in the advancement stage? How are we testing them? How many data points do we get locally at each of the steps as we funnel through the germplasm? And, and they've made quite a few changes um, over the years, and it, it seems like it's certainly increased their uh, ability to bring out a higher percentage of products that stick around. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a lot of a good, good points there. If you think, think back to we used to probably lean on you know one early group two product one late group two product and you kind of leaned a lot of focus on you know two or three products and now you know we're going to get diving into some of these products and we're really just going to be splitting hairs between some small differences and with good good yield performance across the board here so you know i think that's a, a lot of key differences here so good good points here guys so let's get into the products um I want to dive into some characteristics around some of these products. Get some product names uh, of some of our key high performers out there just to get some of these guys aware. You know, it's been a weird year with, with COVID. We haven't gotten to as many uh, as many plots or plot days as, as we had hoped and uh, or, or partaken in, in as many as we normally do, I guess. So this is just going to be a new avenue for us to, to maybe just just try talking about some of these in a, in a virtual aspect um, and go that route. So let's, let's start up North uh, with Craig and then we're going to work our way South uh, and we'll kind of blend in here in the middle mid group twos, but uh, we're going to lump this into probably let's start with like the early group 
twos, uh, maybe throw in some late group ones here. Craig, what, what varieties here in that, that early two market are, are we going to be looking at in the Asgro uh, bag here to, to lean on in 2021? Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, again, being from the Northwest part of the state of Iowa, it's, there's obviously a little bit of a bias, uh, even for myself. I think some of these varieties I'm going to mention are going to have some key plays across the state and the Northern side. Um, you know, I'm going to mention one group one uh, that I've had a couple good looks at already this fall as far as harvest goes. And, and 18 XF1s, a 1.8, has a very attractive plant type, cyst resistant. It's a little bit more of a, you got to, you got to handle it correctly. It does not have a phytophthora gene and, and uh, therefore is susceptible to phytophthora root rot damage. So a seed treatment with a fungicide is definitely a must. And also, you know, placing it on, better drained soils is probably going to be key with that as well. So, um, again, really nice pod set this year. I, I feel like so far, based on my limited looks, that it's done a great job of, of uh, actually battling the, the heat and the dry weather that we did have in northwest Iowa. And even up into southwest Minnesota, southeast South Dakota, it, it's, again, the plots that have been coming across my email, it's, it's done quite well. So, um, it's got average iron chlorosis, so you're going to have to watch it as you get onto the, the higher pH soils. Uh, but uh, nice plant height, and, um, and and again, just just looks like a really solid product. We just got to watch that phytophthora gene. Um, into the group twos, uh, and again, that's our main focus here. The 20XF1s is probably going to be one of the lead products uh, for the northern part of the state. And and again, for me. Uh, this is going to be a product that's going to go pretty wide area, cyst resistance, phytophthora protection, brown stemrot protection, good standability, a very strong emerger. Uh, so, again, handling no-till, you know, tillage of all kinds and planting early situations. Uh, again, for me, the only watch out, you've got to watch those high pH soils. Again, when I say high pH for Iowa, you know, once you start getting up into the upper sevens, that, that's where you're going to see some of these average-rated varieties maybe not look so good and might yellow a little quicker. But really solid performance and uh, really looking to forward to this 20XF1 uh, doing a great job uh, for the Asgrow brand. The uh, A couple of honorable mentions, and one of them is 21XFO, and the reason why I, I mentioned this variety, very stable performer with a nice defensive package. Uh, IDC score is above average, white mold is above average, and SDS is above average. And again, that, that to me says that's a Des Moines lobe soil type variety. Um, Going to have to, uh, you know, just keep an eye on that variety. And again, a stable performer probably isn't going to always have the top end yield of 20XF1s or 21XF1s, but, uh, but again, that defensive play. Uh, the 21 XF1 solid white mold again. Uh, this one we do have to watch our standability. So I, I think with this one you do have to manage it with population and watch your fertility levels. For for me, this one would be a struggle to go maybe into the northwest corner with its standability rating, where they're looking for a white mold variety. Unless you're going to lower those populations down into the 100 125 range, uh, 125,000 per acre. So so again, but but again, nice yield potential. A nice partner with uh, 20 XF1, and and you know on a dry year like this year, 
the 21 XF1 has, has had great standability. I haven't, I haven't even seen an indication of any kind of leaning. Um, the 22 XF1, again, another one, uh, another Des Moines load performer for me, uh, but you do have to watch the white mold. So, again, SDS and IDC are above average, and uh, um, standability is average as well. So, you, again, you, you kind of got to watch those. But going into the Des Moines lobe where I, IDC can shorten up height and SDS can, can hammer varieties, this one looks like it's going to have a nice play. And, again, the yield potential is there with a variety. So, uh, again, I think that might have a – like a Highway 71 split for us up here in the north, where east to 71, where the Des Moines lobe soil types are, it's going to play pretty well, and west to 71 might not be the first choice. Um, for us, the, the 25 XF1 up in the north is, is probably going to be a more of a full season of white mold play, and it's also got um, the above average standability to help in those high fertility white mold area problems. And I know that's what the, the ASGRO team is looking at for a variety, something with some good top-end yield potential, above-average standability, and a white mold play to go into the very northwest corner. Uh, so, again, we're, we're very excited about that one. Uh, I've kind of rattled on about those. I, I think, you know, if I had to pick two or three that are really going to focus on, or, you know, the 20 XF1s are probably going to be a key focus, the 25 XF1s for the white mold guys, and again, for the high pH, I, I really feel like either the 21 XFO or the 22 XF1 are going to be, those are going to be probably the Des Moines lobe plays for the early group twos. Yeah, so you, Craig, you rattled off a lot of details there on six products. And we would just want to kind of reference this again. Like, you know, this is, this is mainly three guys' perspective here on a lineup that, um, you know, is going to vary across regions. So we can't, Yep, we can't emphasize enough that if you hear about a product that you you like, uh, you know, touch base locally uh, with with your groups uh, locally to see what they're what they're seeing uh, in their region. Uh, if, if you're not in in these regions that that we're talking about, so that it, it may change just a, a light slight perspective as you move further east or south or or whatever. So I just wanted to bring that up again. So yep, yep, and that's a really good point. Uh, Brenton and I, I know John will agree with this. You also got to touch base with your with your team locally as far as your sales reps and or your your dealers of Asgro seed to make sure that they also are, have the supply uh, that are focused on on the varieties that we're talking about. So you know, because again, there's going to be there's going to be different plays in different areas of the state. So that that's the other thing. Yeah. John, how about how about you? So let's kind of transition into that <clears throat> mid-group two range here. And Craig kind of left off with the 25 XF1s as his full-season product. Uh, you know, is that where you're going to pick up uh, with a with an early bean headed south, or where where are you going to start at? Well, for my team, uh, we do plant um, a lot of those early varieties. Um, uh, even the 2.0 down in my area, we've had some guys with success for that. So what Craig said about the early numbers, I totally agree with. I would say the Southwest Iowa team probably has less white mold pressure than the Northwest Iowa team. And so we're also going to include um, the 24XF1 in what we package. That looks like it's going to be a really well-rounded soybean to us with uh, really good standability out of it. So that's one that uh, is in that range that Craig went over that I don't think the Northwest team is as focused on, but we're definitely going to be using that. Um, and, you know, then we, we kind of move into 26 XF1, 27 XF1. 
to compare and contrast those. Uh, they're both going to be high-volume products. But um, what I really like, um, and you got to be careful because I cover a lot of territory that has fewer challenges than a lot of the rest of the state. I cover a lot of the well-drained Lus Hills um, where some of the disease tolerances and some of these agronomic attributes um, are, are, you know, maybe we don't have the same threshold of need for um, resistance on some of these things. And I, I really think the 27XF1 uh, with its combination of yield and very good standability is going to be an awesome Lus Hills bean. Um, the 26XF1 uh, I think will be widely adapted and uh, we'll go to high volumes with it. And you get the bonus of getting um, uh, iron chlorosis rating of a four on it. So the 27XF1, you probably have to be careful on what soils you're putting it in, um, but you want to you wanna realize that it's got some great top-end yield potential. Um, and that's kind of how I would characterize two of the high-volume mid-group two products for the Southwest Iowa team. Um, the 29XF1 is the next one that we're going to have a high volume of. Um, and, and I see it just fitting a lot of acres. Um, we really feel like we're going to be able to position it similar like we have um, 29X9. Um, we've got, again, for us, a really important thing is having good yield along with good standability. Because if we position these high-yielding beans in an uh, environment that grows good beans, sometimes they get lanky when we get rain. And so if we're wanting a bean that's going to be successful on reaching top-end yields, it's got to have the standability to get it all the way to harvest without um, lodging issues. So 29XF1 looks like it's going to be a really good fit for a lot of our acres. And it, it's more than a 3.0, but the next biggest volume one would be um, 31XF1. And that's going to be another uh, key product for the Southwest Iowa team. Um, there again, um, the, the two things that I'm honing in on uh, that I think are really going to help it are its yieldability and standability. We're going to be able to take it to some of these high-yielding Lus Hills soybean fields and um, I think really do some good things with it. Now, as we said at the beginning, and I just want to call out again, there's some of these that we don't know exactly what the rating is going to be on white mold and sudden death. We don't expect anything oddball outside of what we're used to dealing with, but as we get more information from this year, um, we, we may learn a few things about those two attributes. But if you if you listen to the way Craig characterized it, and, and maybe it came through in some of the ones I did also, but we, for every one of the most challenging soybean conditions, whether it's iron chlorosis or white mold or SDS, we have already identified beans that we know will work in that environment. Now, we may learn that more of them that uh, we don't have the final rating in on yet will work in that environment, but we've kind of identified supply to make sure that we're addressing some of the more challenging environments for this team and we can focus on them. And as we learn um, through this year's harvest and in harvest to come, sometimes we'll move products uh, into a more challenging environment than how we first position them just because we, we have more confidence after we've seen more acres planted over more years uh, as to how well they'll handle some of those more challenging situations. John. You, you mentioned the, the hills and Lus Hills there in western Iowa. What, you know, as you move to the eastern part of that territory further into central Iowa, the hills, uh, they, they change quite a bit. So uh, you get a little bit more, a few terraces and, and probably some steepy side hill clay spots. You know, is there something that has, you know, good standability, maybe a little bit more height there that you're going to maybe work into those hills, or which one are you going to lean in there? 
Well, I think I think 26XF1 is going to fit that bill some. 24XF1 will be a couple of the products that we're we're looking at into that area. Um, yeah. With definitely still, I think we uh, can position the 29XF1 if they're uh, open to a 29 in that uh, environment also. Sure. Yeah, the, the hills just they they get different as you as go. I'm just talking selfishly, I guess. I have enough of them myself, so. Um, yeah. We um, so yeah, so we've covered, John. You covered uh, from a two four all the way up to the three ones now, and that's we've uh, you guys have mentioned, oh uh, three five six. You got eleven products there that from a one eight to a three one, and and, and certainly these aren't the only ones. Uh, there's certainly other ones that may have uh, maybe a little bit smaller supply, maybe a couple nuances in. Uh, characteristics that may be a fit as well so there's certainly you know others out there that we may not be talking about yeah definitely the case uh it's back to what we commented before talk to your local um agronomist and your sales team for availability and and their take on it because you know one of the things we touched on a little bit as we opened up but you know looking at these things and having the conversations about their adaptability in your local geography um is really important um, to, to find the right product. And one of the things that's been good about having somebody like Craig is that we have that uh, insight into the pipeline from earlier on, but more focused on, on our own local geography. So, John, just kind of wrap up on the, the products here. If there's anybody south of uh, Highway 34 that's listening, what do you got for those guys there in probably that uh, mid mid three range? Well, three major products, and uh, actually a couple of the products that I'm most excited about. Um, we have the 33XF1, um, and that thing has uh, tremendous standability. Um, it, it is a four on SDS, so we know that we'll be able to position that as a mid-group three. If we got some of these river bottom soils along the uh, Nishnabot and uh, Nottaway, some of those rivers we have the SDS pressure. Um, so that's going to be a very good fit. But I, I think, you know, as we look at the yield data that the breeding organization has provided us, uh, we're really excited about 36XF1 and 35XF1. Um, probably everybody out there, if they're south of 34, has planted or been around 36X6, one of the most successful um, extend beans that we've had. Um, just tremendous adaptability, tremendous yieldability. And with the 35XF1 and 36XF1, we're actually seeing some yield improvements on that product uh, that go along with really good agronomics. So those two look like they're going to round out our fuller season beans in southern Iowa just really, really nicely. And we have good volume of both of those products. Um, so those are, uh, of the whole lineup, com compared to existing Extend products, there's just a really good yield story between those two. Uh, it's good to hear, and, and uh, wow, you know, if you can build off of yield off of 36X6, that's a, that's a pretty impressive right out of the gate for that, that maturity group in this trait, so. Yeah, one thing, one thing I'll chime in here, guys, is that uh, if I lived any further south, the Group 3 uh, product line that we have is extremely exciting and uh, would be a lot of fun to be able to play in that market as far as RM goes, so. Um, so I look forward to hearing your results, John. Yep. 
Yep. Well, we we uh, we're getting started. Well, we got a couple pots out. Uh, did a nice one up at Odebolt with John Curry and um, good results there. And uh, you know, some of these beans we waited on uh, to get the full lineup in uh, to plant. So there are, you know, not the earliest planting dates, and that's going to influence some of the yields out of it. Um, but uh, we're just diving in and getting to the spot where we're going to be collecting a lot of these plots. And the good news is. Um, they're not stewarded as we're harvesting them, so it's good news. Yeah, ship them. Ship them. Ship them, don't dump them. That's a lot Send more it. fun. Send <laughs> it. Send it. Yeah, so no. So what? what's going to be the best way as we start to get more data in here this fall, you guys? How? What's going to be the best way to stay up to speed with how these products are performing in your local areas? Is it just just as simple as stay stay connected with your local dealer or how's that how what's the best way i'd say stay connected with your local dealer you're going to want to keep you know we will be uh, distributing individual plot results through our marketing programs but when you're really getting down to placing an order um and and picking the beans for your farm soybean data like any data on varieties that we take you don't want to look at one plot uh, so what we will do as agronomists is we will run comparison reports that include multiple locations of key product comparisons. And those are a more reliable source uh, to, to really split hairs on. And we'll be providing those um, to the dealers as they become available. Um, I wish that we had those reports the day every single harvest was uh, harvested or every single plot was harvested. There is a bit of a delay to get the systems or the plot results, quality check, put in the system where we can query them. But I find most valuable to me is when we can take a product that we're most interested in and then we run a yield summary of how it did head-to-head with another key product that we're familiar with and just to see how that changes or how that looks in a multi-location comparison report. I really think those are important, and we'll be providing them to the dealers um, we don't often have a great opportunity to spread those out through marketing. They're, they're, they just don't seem as um, they don't seem consumed as much uh, through those channels as an individual plot report. But they are an excellent tool to add in when you're when you're selecting varieties. John, I, w- I wanted to bring up a point here, and just thinking about back to the year that we've had here, especially in the area you guys cover west of. I-35. We've, you know, we've had a tough go of it with rainfall and moisture and a little heat stress overnight. And how you mentioned multi-location, are, are we? I mean, this certainly seems like a year that we're going to rely heavily on probably multi-year as well. Correct? You bet. We're going to reply on multi-year data. We're going to utilize the breeding data. Um, the data that is generated in the breeding organization is now made available to um, TAs on existing products. Uh, so we're going to pull every piece of data that we can. Now, I do think that the corn um, is probably more heavily impacted as far as plots that are lost than our soybean plots. But every year, you lose a certain amount. Uh, We try to get as many as we can in. And then when we get the data back in, we kind of got to quality check it and analyze where it's coming from uh, to help interpret it. That's a really good point. And one of the major factors, uh, I think, is on a lot of these flex plots, there were some southern production seeds that we wanted to include in our trials. And that meant that our planting dates on the Extend Flex varieties 
are generally in at least the second half of uh, the soybean planting uh, dates that we had. So we got to keep that in mind. And we have known checks that might have been planted earlier uh, to compare with. So it's a uh, it's something that we uh, have to adjust to every year regardless and, and probably some maybe bigger challenges than normal this year. Yeah, good good stuff, John. And it's certainly going to be one of those years that's a lot of a lot of different points here to look at as far as variables go. But anyway, I mean, you guys, you guys rattled off, uh, you know, six, nine, 12, 14 different products to, to be watching out for from a, one eight to a three six, so a lot of, a lot of diversity there. I, you know, just to run through here, you know, I heard a lot of good standability in a lot of products. You know, we got some watchouts on on some white mold and in, in a couple of them. So certainly be thinking about that. It, um, IDC, especially in a couple that do move into the Moin lobe. Uh, Craig, you mentioned a couple of those products. So. Guys, any you know that's a lot of information in a in a field day type uh, podcast, I guess if you want to say that. Without the you, you guys are typically standing in front of the plots as you're talking about them, so we typically can bring out more points when you're standing in front of them. But I appreciate you guys bringing out the details that you did, getting these names in front of uh, some some guys here as we move into move into the end of fall here and start thinking about placing those orders. So certainly appreciate you guys as insights and expertise in this arena and and uh, look forward and really look forward to kind of some more yield results right i mean that's i think we're all kind of anxious for that you bet absolutely brent <laughs> uh well hey guys we we're we're past our uh 30 minutes here by a little bit so i wanted to quick uh give you guys one last thought if you had anything otherwise we'll wrap her up Nope, just uh, stay safe as we nab these harvest uh, results, and um, hopefully uh, we continue to get good weather and get this thing uh, in the bin and measuring it up pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and for me, Brent, uh, just, again, for any any growers out there that have questions and comments, please reach out to your dealers, or if you know your local rep, reach out to them and your local territory agronomist, and even myself, if if you know where we're at, you know how to get a hold of us. Don't be afraid to reach out. Um, we want to we want to help get these products placed as best we can, and make sure you get the right products on the right farms. So I appreciate yeah. it very much. Certainly, yeah. Certainly, reach out to these guys. They're a wealth of knowledge here, along with the rest of our agronomist group and our dealers and and our salesmen as well. Certainly, a lot of people out here uh, focused in on these products in in the Asgro uh, lineup. So. Uh, thanks you guys. Uh, have a great harvest. If you're listening in the in the combine or or grain cart, hey, be safe out there and and enjoy the weather here this weekend and next week. And uh, we'll we'll touch base here maybe with a harvest results uh, uh, performance podcast here as maybe we get into some corn performance here uh, a little bit later in the month. So thank you guys and uh, stay tuned for the next edition of the Iowa Agronomy Update coming up soon. Thank you guys. Take thanks, care. Brent. Yeah.